Do you love movies? Then you love the Movie Chef podcast. Whoa, whoa, what was that? That's my professional podcasting voice for the trailer. Well, you sound very stupid. Okay, well, we need to tell people that we're two movie fans who cook up movie-themed podcasts and... And and special episodes on Sundays. Yeah, as well as movie menus of all our favourite topics. And diving into internet rabbit holes. As well as movie news and trailer reactions every Thursday. And our sexual awakenings about Patrick Swayze. And our sexual awakenings... Wait, what? Listen, just tell them who we are, what we do, and where you can find us. The Movie Chef Podcast, where we make a meal out of movies. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, and more. Better? No. Hello, you're listening to Trouble Trouble Podcast, and I'm your host, Seth. I'll be your host for this adventure. Before I get started, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll have all the podcasts delivered right to your app of choice. If you made it to the end and enjoyed your experience, leave a review. I hope you enjoyed getting a podcast the last two weeks in a row with a fun two-parter with the Will Jameson. Those episodes are about the Call Me By Your Name soundtrack and Sarah Bareilles' live album, Brave Enough. Go listen to those episodes. You won't be disappointed. Okay, time for this week's episode. But what album am I covering? This week, I'm covering Something Corporate's first major label album, Leaving Through the Window. But it's really their second full-length album. The band members are Andrew McMahon on lead vocals and piano, Brian Ireland on drums, Josh Partington on lead guitar, William Tell on rhythm guitar, and Kevin Page, lovingly referred to as Clutch, on bass. Coming off the release of their EP called Audio Boxer in 2001, Something Corporate really found their audience. That EP came out on drive Through Records at a time where that was one of the biggest indie labels in their scene. With label mates such as Newfound Glory, Dashboard Confessional, and Hello Goodbye, they were among good company. Basically, any band on drive Through Records in the early 2000s were destined for success. So much so that something corporate was starting to be pursued in a major label frenzy, all hoping to get them on their label. The band ended up signing with MCA Records and went into the studio for three months to record their album, Leaving Through the Window. They recorded some of the songs from previous releases, which lead guitarist Josh Partington described the album as, quote, conglomeration of songs that were anywhere from three months to three years old, like the greatest hits of our early stuff, end quote. All of this was happening at such a young age for the band. Led by Andrew McMahon out of Orange County, the band was still in high school when success hit them. They were only able to tour on weekends or during breaks from school. They were doing so well, they even got to open for acts like Better Than Ezra and Sugar Ray in the height of their careers. 
the main recording sessions happen from January to March of 2002. The band recorded the album at Cello Studios in Hollywood, California, 4th Street Recording in Santa Monica, California, South Beach Studios in Miami Beach, Florida, and Jungle Room Studios in Glendale, California. Jim Wirt produced the album. Like I said earlier, the main creative force in this band was Andrew McMahon. All of the songs on Leaving Through the Window were written by McMahon, with the exception of Hurricane, Fall, and You're Gone. Those songs were written by Josh Partington. McMahon found it easier coming up with arrangements on the piano rather than guitar, as it seemed a better instrument to expand song structures. The songs Punk Rock Princess, Kavanaugh Park, Straw Dog, and Globes and Maps feature string arrangements written by Paul Buckmaster, who conducted the 26-piece orchestra that performed them. The musical style of Something Corporate has been classified as alternative rock, pop punk, and power pop. Or maybe it's more accurate to call it piano rock. Think Ben Folds. McMahon was inspired by musicians like Billy Joel and Elton John. That really shows the style of songwriting in his music. The album's themes are what you would expect to hear out of a snapshot of a young man's life coming into adulthood. McMahon was in his last year of high school and almost out in the real world to forge his own path. The album starts off with the song, I Want to Save You, is a character sketch of a girl who was mistreated by her partner. Discussing the song Punk Rock Princess, McMahon said he was interested in a girl who liked punk rock music while he was in high school. The song served as a metaphor for what was a frequent discrepancy between the pair, which McMahon described, quote, She was cooler than I was, and she liked punk, and I was like this squirrely kid in, like, a piano band, end quote. The song I Woke Up in a Car was written after the first Something Corporate tour and paints the picture of the experience of being a young man on tour. A day or two after the tour ended, McMahon sat in his parents' garage where his piano was situated and wrote the song about his memories of the tour. The song If You See Jordan was written by McMahon's in his last year of high school. A guy named Jordan wanted to fight with him over a girl. It is about being bullied and using words to fight back. The track was not initially planned for release on the album and was meant to appear solely on the audio box or EP. If you see Jordan and the song If I Were a Terrorist, I'd Bomb the Graduation were written during the same period. The band preferred that Terrorist and Jordan be included on the EP as an introduction to their music. However, the song Terrorist was left out of the album because of the September 11th attacks. This is 2001, remember? The group thought it would be in bad taste to use that song on the EP. So they used If You See Jordan. The song The Astronaut was written in the midst of an album's recording sessions while Tom Petty was working in the next room. The song Hurricane is credited to Partington with McMahon contributing three words. <laughs> when Partington played the track for the band at practice, McMahon was enthusiastic about it. Andrew wrote Kavanaugh Park while he was 16 or 17. It was named after a recreational area in Lake Forest, California, which is in the Orange County area. 
The park serves as a benchmark for incidents while growing up, like hanging out with friends and getting into trouble. The lead single, If You See Jordan, was starting to gain traction and a lot of radio play. Leaving Through the Window was released on May 21st, 2002 as a joint release by Drive Through and MCA Records. The UK edition, which was released September 9th, included the songs Little and Walking By, which were both from the Audio Boxer EP as bonus tracks. Leaving Through the Window charted at number 101 on the Billboard Top 200 chart, selling 12,000 copies in its first week. By June 2005, the album had sold nearly 300,000 copies. I would imagine a lot more have been sold then, especially through re-releases. As you know, this is a podcast that examines albums through a queer lens. Andrew McMahon, while happily married to his high school sweetheart, Kelly, is still an ally to the LGBTQ community. He even performed at the San Diego Pride in 2018. When asked by Q, a queer publication in Salt Lake City, if he had any message to give to the young people in a conservative environment, he said, quote, Not to say that this is a similar struggle, but when I was younger, I was overweight. I know that's not even a fraction of cruelty that young gay kids can face, but it was certainly something that marked me as a young person. The pressure I felt often made me not want to step out and be myself. I know there are whole campaigns about this, but I would say the reality is that as you get older and you start associating with others and those you relate to, life does get better. I would just recommend getting into a place where you can step out to associate with people who are reasonable and not so marked in their thinking by bias, end quote. All right, from there, I figured that I would talk about my first experiences with hearing and seeing something corporate in concert. First, let's start with the first time I heard something corporate. I remember this so vividly. It was my senior year in high school in Virginia. I was driving home from school one day when the song came on my local alternative station, 96X. Shout out to Newport News. I remember that I had to stop and get gas, but the song was so good. I wanted to hear the end so that I could hear the name of the band. The song was I Woke Up in a Car. That has continued to be one of my favorite songs from that moment through the rest of my life. There's just uh, so many lyrics and some that I will get into here shortly <laughs> that will uh, you know, give you a better idea as to why. Yeah, I just really remember you know, just sitting in my car at the gas station. You know, this song, it just sounded so fresh and so new to me. You know, I was really listening to a lot of punk rock, punk music, um, alternative rock. And this was just so new to me. And it just really stuck with me. Andrew's voice is so amazing. And it just has a special quality to it. And the piano, um, you know, I connected to because I played piano growing up. So to me, this was really, really, really new and really, really exciting music for me. So my first concert was actually the next year in 2003, my freshman year in college at Indiana University in Bloomington. I was so obsessed with something corporate, you know, from that moment that I just shared with you until, you know, when I was in college. Uh, at Indiana University, every year at IU, there's an event called the Little 500. 
So it's basically a take on the NASCAR Indy 500 race, but it's for bicycles. And so there's all sorts of different teams and there's just one big giant race, but it's basically a week of parties for all the students at college. They often bring in a lot of musical acts. It's a whole event. It's a whole thing. It's so unique and it's the time of your life. It's what you look forward to every year. This year, one of the musical acts was something corporate. And I was freaking out because I was so obsessed with them, but they were playing at a frat house. (laughs) And, you know, I was much younger and much more steadfast by my like, I'm so punk, like emo or whatever you want to call it. You know, I, you know, frat equals bad evil. (laughs) I'm sure you understand. So, you know, I was like, oh, this is so lame. Why are they playing at a frat house and blah, 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 blah. And I love them so much. And I went and got a ticket. I was so nervous because you sort of just like they would tell you where they're going to be selling tickets. And it's just some random guy there, you know, some frat guy. And so that's like entertaining too. little in the closet, Seth. And I got the ticket and... I was looking forward to it, and the night that it was time for the concert, it was raining, and I was nervous to go to a frat house because I didn't know if they would be nice, (laughs) and, uh, you know, we got through, uh, well, the opening band played, we got through about 45 minutes, I want to say of something corporate until it really started like the rain was coming down hard there was lightning the coverings to the stage were just like blowing uh all over the place and there was rain getting on to the stage and they actually had to stop the concert you know it was unsafe for the band you know they have all the electric equipment up there with lightning and rain definitely a sign (laughs) to be careful And, you know, for me, I'm like, uh, you know, it was kind of heartbroken because this is like my favorite band. I was so excited to see them. They were able to come out. I think they would, you know, this is a long time ago, so I'm trying to remember. (laughs) But I think they came out, they played a couple more songs after it calmed down a little bit. And then I think it started picking up again, the rain, they had to stop again. And I think they came out and were like, you know, uh, the weather's really bad. We're just going to have to cut it off. Like we're going to play one more song for you. And, you know, even though the, the sort of night was cut short, it was one of the best nights of my life. You know, clearly it was memorable enough that I can still remember that 17 years later. And it was really amazing. I was hooked. You know, I got to see them play live. You know, when you see the band in concert, when you see Andrew McMahon play live, it's electric. I mean, he, you know, transports an upright piano around the country and it had this beautiful painting uh, mural on it. It was just so unique. And he has a microphone in front where the where the piano is and he has a microphone facing the audience. And he does this really interesting thing where he'll kind of go back and forth, you know, whenever he's playing like an intensive part or a more involved part, he'll face the piano and sing into that mic. But then he'll turn and, you know, sing out to the crowd when the piano is not involved. And 
he'll run around the stage and he even will jump up on the piano like on top of the piano on the keys and then jump off of it it is really it's a sight to see like it, tr- it truly rock and roll you know and it's usually during the last song if you see jordan you know there's a lot he'll just kind of like walk up and down the keys on the piano and then just jump off at the very last you know note it's so cool all right uh let's go ahead and switch a little bit of gears here and of course i'm sure that you're all wondering about the lyrics a lot of these lyrics were taken straight out of my AOL Instant Messenger status uh, <laughs> from my days in college. Uh, you know, I was a very angsty teen into young adult, and these lyrics reflect that. And I felt very seen and very heard in Andrew's lyrics. So let's go ahead and get started. In the first track, I Want to Save You, Andrew sings. And she wants someone to see her. She needs to hear that she's beautiful. She's beautiful. So basically, I connect to this because, um, as you may have heard in the in the first episode about my connection to music, and maybe I didn't mention it, but I was overweight as a child and never really felt beautiful myself. And you know, I would hear this song, and I would want to have someone tell me that I'm beautiful. So I really connected to this a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, The song goes into the chorus of the song. Andrew sings, I want to save you. I want to save you. Yeah, I need you to save me too. I want to save you. So this part of the song I really connected to because it just feels so hopelessly romantic. You know, it's like, I want to save you. You know, we all have our issues I just feel like when it comes to relationships, I feel like I'm the type of like nurturing type person where I just want to take care of someone like you can have be in some all sorts of interesting <laughs> situations that are not good. And for some reason, like I just really want to make your life better. So I really connected to that. But then also, you know, of course, I have my own issues. You know, I need to be told that I'm beautiful. I want to feel comfortable with you if, you know, things progress in that manner because I don't feel comfortable with my body. And so in that sense, I need you to save me too. So I really connected to that, especially, you know, through the queer lens, uh, you know, men can be very judgmental <laughs> and uh, and very superficial And if you're not like the typical stereotypical abs, you know, I said this in the in the first podcast, then, you know, it's very easy to be looked over in the in the community. And and that's how I felt. And that's how I relate to this song. So in the next track of the album, Punk Rock Princess, Andrew sings, if you could be my punk rock princess, I would be your garage band king. You could tell me why you just don't fit in and how you're going to be something So this part I really connected to because even though, you know, there are sorts of, uh, I guess you could interpret genders, you know, you have king, princess, Um, you know, of course, as you know, in the last episode, there is no such thing as a gender binary. So for my interpretation through a queer lens, I always thought the punk rock princess could just be like someone that I'm really interested in and care about a lot and to me they're my princess so basically it's just sort of like another lovey stubby sort of fit in you know sort of thing it's like you know you can be my princess like I'll take care of you I'll be your king and 
I felt like I didn't fit in with a lot of people in college. I still feel like I don't fit in with a lot of people, but I think that's very normal. And I'm sure you listening out there feel like, you know, you don't really fit in with a lot of people as well. So I'm sure you're relating to this lyric. So then this song, it goes into actually a second chorus. And he says, if I could be your first real heartache, I would do it over again. If you could be my punk rock princess, I would be your heroine. You know, superficially, this is a song this chorus plays on words and you know um if you could be my punk rock princess i'll be your heroine so you have you know the drug heroine of course you know something that's very addicting but also i'll be your heroine i'll be your savior so it's kind of the double meaning there so i really like that a lot because to me it's like if i could be your first real heartache i would do it over again It's like, you know, you're just in love with someone so much and it was so worth being in that relationship that you would do it over again, even though you know that the heartache is coming, basically. You all know that I'm like super emo and super uh, hopeless romantic. So these lyrics really resonated with me. So in the next song on the album, (laughs) we're going in order here. uh, I woke up in a car. This lyric is a a little bit more uh, straightforward. He sings... I met a girl who kept tattoos for homes that she had loved. If I were her, I'd paint my body until all my skin was gone. So this is uh, not an emotional (laughs) lyric. So we're giving you a little bit of a break here. But basically, I really love this lyric. You know, like I said, I woke up in a car is the first song I ever heard. And this is why it means so much to me is this lyric, because for some reason, it's just so poetic. You know, it's like, you know, you have tattoos for homes that you love and you've lived in so many places that all your skin would be gone if you got a tattoo for everyone. And like you know about me, I'm sure if you've heard the first episode, I've lived in a lot of places myself. So I've really wanted to get a tattoo. I I do have a something corporate tattoo, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. But I want to get a tattoo, you know, for all the homes that I have loved. Like I have the idea. I just haven't got the tattoo yet. (laughs) Um, It's also... Uh, sort of something corporate related. I want to get like the uh, the cover of Jack's Mannequins. Uh, this is a story. And, you know, it's the Venice Boardwalk and it's a whole thing. You know, if it ever happens, I'll show you guys. <laughs> but um, yeah, but that lyric really inspired me. It made me want to get a tattoo. Um, it made me want to get tattoos of places that I loved, places that I had lived. You know, they're all a part of me everywhere I've lived in different ways. So that's that's the reason why I really connected to this song and this lyric, especially. But also, too, you know, this is a song about touring and being young. And I also wasn't really on tour, but I have moved around quite a bit. So I guess it's kind of like tour in a way. So I also connected to the song for feeling like you know, free and young and moving around and experiencing and going on adventures and that sort of thing too. I promise I won't talk about every song or we would be here all night. So let's skip a few songs to Cavanaugh Park. Andrew sings, At Cavanaugh Park, where you used to take me to play in the sand and said to me, Son, one day you'll be a man and men can do terrible things. Yes, they can. So I... You know, this is a really kind of a slower ballad. It's, you know, uh, the dynamics are very up and down. It's a very heartfelt song for me. Um, And this is probably a big different 
you know, interpretation than Andrew meant when he wrote the song. This is probably, you know, meant to be between father and son. And this, the father is giving his son advice saying, you know, men can be do terrible things, you know, basically be careful. But for me, whenever I would hear this part of the song, I would always think of like always being like wronged by boys and men, you know, and being, you know, jilted by them and being in my feelings, being like, yeah, they really can do terrible things. Uh, I felt bad many times just, you know, having really strong feelings that were never requited by the other person, especially in college. The song continues And this is straight out of my AOL Instant Messenger away message. Andrew sings, And there was never any place for someone like me to be totally happy. I'm running out of clock. That ain't a shock. Some things never do change. Never do change. So for this part of the song, I would really connect to it because, you know, especially through college I was very you know angsty had a lot of feelings that I didn't know how to manage and for me it just felt like I could never be happy so little did I know of course you know anxiety is a thing and depression is a thing and you know now I'm you know taking medication that makes me feel not sad all the time (laughs) I actually feel pretty happy a lot so you know don't worry about me I'm feeling in totally a really good place in my life right now but you know back in college it was very much a sort of like dark angsty period of time you know I just never felt like I would ever be truly happy and time's running out and will things ever change and where I am now I can look back and say yes yes they will change because things have gotten a lot better In the song, Good News, Andrew sings, I want to read good news, good news. I want to be innocent again. I want to read good news, good news, but nothing good is happening. Of course, this song can be applied to what's happening currently in the country, of course. Um, There's not a lot of good news happening. But for me, the way I interpreted this song, and you have to remember I'm in college and angsty, of course, I keep saying that. But this lyric to me is basically talking about how, like, I never, you know, kind of relating to the last song, even I never felt like I would be truly happy. So I feel like I would get into these like ruts and things like that. And I was just like, I want something good to happen. You know, I want to be innocent. Like I, you know, growing up, I just felt so free always and carefree. And, and now, you know, I'm in college, I have responsibilities, I have to be an adult. And you know, nothing good is happening. You know, I just have always sort of like searched out um, that relationship aspect. And I never really felt like I got to have that experience, you know, in college, like a lot of other queer people get to have. So this lyric really stood out to me. All right. So in the final song of the album called Globes and Maps, yes, that means that these are the last lyrics that I'll be discussing. (laughs) Uh, Andrew sings, I want to hang on something that won't break away or fall apart like the pieces of my heart. So this is, of course, uh, relating to my many heartbreaks in college, many guys that I had crushes on that never really worked out. And I don't I don't mean to beat a dead horse here. So I'll move on quickly. But, you know, this is just a a very real feeling that I felt back then, you know, that you know I just want some, you know, again, it's like I just want something good to happen that won't leave. Like it felt like friends would come and go and, you know, you know, guys that I liked would come and go and my heart would just break every time. 
Like I said, I've seen Andrew McMahon many times. The last time I saw him was right here in Portland. After the show, I waited for him to come out front. I'm not usually the type of person to do that, but as you can tell, I feel like Andrew wrote this album as the soundtrack to my life at that moment in time, and it's stuck with me ever since. It's an album that I return to whenever I'm feeling emotional or just contemplating life. I have followed him through his time with his next band, Jack's Mannequin, and with the band he currently plays with, Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness. So anyways, I am outside the venue in Portland, and it's cold. Fall, dark, pitch black, a very typical Portland night in the fall. Much like the one I'm recording on tonight. I felt so dumb. Was I too old for this? I thought to myself. His music had meant so much to me over the years. Finally, he came out, and I waited my turn. I was so nervous. He was so kind and so calm. It felt a little bit unnerving, you know, high anxiety here. (laughs) So, um, so I showed him my something corporate tattoo and I told you I would tell you about this and we're at that time. So basically I remember watching a video about Andrew McMahon and he was explaining all of his tattoos. And so when I moved back to Bloomington briefly in 2013, I got this tattoo. It was the 10-year anniversary since I had seen them the first time in the same city. And I really wanted to commemorate that and finally get my first tattoo. And so in this video, he has the copyrighted symbol. And it's on his hand. It's sort of in between his thumb and first finger in that little groove, you know? And so he tells this really interesting story about how the tattoo artist asked him if he was sure he wanted to get the tattoo there because someone might think that he was in a gang or something like that. And Andrew just kind of turns to the guy and is like, do you see me? He's, you know, this blonde hair, blue eyed guy from Orange County, California. No one's going to think he's in a gang. (laughs) So I got the same tattoo. It's the copyright symbol, but I got mine on my ankle you know, a place where people would not think that I was in a gang (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) I don't think anyone would think I'm in a gang either if they saw me. But that was one of the best nights. I left that show a ball of energy and just beaming. I finally got to meet my idol. That's why music is so powerful. Just to get a few mere moments with the musician that we look up to is so incredible. If Andrew is somehow listening to this by any small chance, thank you. Thank you so much for your music over the years. I feel like we've kind of grown up together in a way. Um, Of course, I don't know you personally, (laughs) but, you know, through your lyrics and through your music, I really feel so connected to you. And it's just really so powerful to hear these feelings that I have felt, you know, through another person. It makes you feel not so alone. So these this album especially, but all of your music just means the absolute world to me. All right, so, you know, it's the end of the show. I'm going to let you know the three songs that I think you should start off with if you're not familiar with the band or this album specifically. And those songs would, of course, be the first single they had, If You See Jordan. I would also recommend I Woke Up In A Car, of course. You know, it's the first song that I heard and a very meaningful one. And then the last song that I would recommend is Punk Rock Princess. I think that this gives you sort of all the different types of music that you'll hear throughout the album. 
And it really paints a picture of who Something Corporate is. And from there, you should just listen to the entire album. Or you can just start there. (laughs) Because literally, this is one of those albums where every single song is so good and it'll have you singing along. Thank you for listening. This has been another episode of the Treble Treble Podcast. The theme music you heard at the top of the show was made by me. The logo was illustrated and designed by the amazingly talented queer artist, Will Jameson. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter at the Will Jameson. This is an indie podcast, which means no commercials, at least for now. It also means that I can't use the clips from the album we discussed because my lawyers have advised against it. Copyright laws, am I right? The best way to support this podcast is to subscribe, tell a friend, and leaving a review. It really helps other music fans find this show. If you're a fan of RuPaul's Drag Race, feel free to listen to my other podcast, Thanks for Coming, a RuPaul's Drag Race podcast. I record that show with two of my best friends, Jamal and Stoney. You can find us at TFC Pod on Instagram and Twitter. That's all I've got for you now. If you made it through the whole podcast, you rock. I'll see you at the next show in two weeks. Be there. With that, I'll see you next time at the show. And before I sign off, I would like to, of course, extend the invitation to Andrew McMahon to come on the show. I'd love to interview you. Pick your brains a little bit. Signing off, I'm your host, Seth. Rock on, young savior. Don't give up your hopes.